hushed tones. So Hi Felicia is a podcast that I started with the idea of having conversations on a variety of topics, trying to do a deep dive, um, maybe knowing something about the person, maybe not. Um, One of my guilty pleasures is um, Criminal Minds and the team at the BAU, and they always profile a serial killer or an an unsub by the fact that that they usually start in a geographical location that's comfortable to them. So I I do do that. So I am using friends and family and friends of friends and Facebook friends, folks who are basically in my sphere at at first, to interview and have some conversations. Because I've always been curious about, um, you know, where people come from, what their interests are, and I get really jazzed about talking to someone who's really enthusiastic about a subject that maybe I know a little bit about, maybe I know nothing about. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with my different guests, and um, please feel free to comment, send questions, um, or send suggestions for guests that you think might be interested uh, to be on Hi Felicia. This is Hi Felicia Podcast. This is the um, bio of Rachel Lento. So my guest, Rachel Lento, is a full-time yoga instructor, Reiki practitioner, and sales manager for Mantra Yoga Studio in Danvers, Mass. She received her 200-hour Power Vinyasa certification in 2015 and her Yin certification in 2016. Both are different types of yoga. After training, she immediately began teaching as a volunteer at Recovery House in Wakefield. For three years, she taught in the North Shore and led special workshops for teens, beginners, and individuals in recovery. Then in 2017, she was offered a position as a full-time yoga instructor and studio manager. This transition meant a scary leap of faith, giving up a career as a medical office manager. But she took it because she had a higher purpose because she knew her higher purpose was found in teaching. Rachel's classes integrate her passion for psychology, specifically the cognitive, behavioral, and mindfulness psychotherapy approach to mental health. She also has a special heart for teens, as when she was first introduced to yoga. Part of her work involves a collaboration with nonprofit organization in Lawrence to bring yoga to teen girls in the Merrimack Valley. You can practice with her in Danvers, North Andover, and Salisbury, Massachusetts. For her full schedule and to catch up on her blog, which we talked about in the show, please go to her website, www, that's three W's, rachelmariehealth.info. And uh, Rachel was a fun guest. Um, please beware that this podcast has a lot of giggling in it. So obviously we're having a good time. There are times, too, where we talk about things like AMSR, 
and I believe that I misstated uh, that and called it EMDR, which it is not. So AMSR, for those folks who don't know, has to do with um, folks who get sort of a relaxation response or brain tingles from watching videos or listening to people doing things like whispering, uh, crinkling paper, or um, sometimes the videos do include things like hair brushing. So we poke fun at it, um, but it is very good natured. And um, if you are so inclined, uh, you should check those things out on YouTube. I would say that I probably did not do it fair justice um, since my whispering usually involves um, laughing as well, so, which probably takes people out of the relaxation response. So again, thanks to Rachel for coming on and being such a fun guest and a good sport. I think you'll get the sense of who she is as a person, and that is exactly how I experienced her as a teacher. She's thoughtful, she is compassionate, uh, she's a lot of fun, and um, the thing that she brings into her classes, which I really like, is um, the encouraging you and your ability wherever you are to sort of maybe gain some confidence in your body and how it moves. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Rachel. going to be a good one. I can already tell. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Hi Felicia. I'm your host, Felicia Ryan. My guest today is Rachel Lento. Did I say your name right? I always ask people because I have a, I have like an idea in my head of what people's name sounds like and it never sounds like what it's supposed to. So how would you say your name? It's, it's Lento, like the musical term. I guess you could put a little flair on and go Lento, but Lento. There's, there's really no need. And we started our, our conversation by talking about it. What is it? ASMR. ASMR. So I said something about how I was brushing my hair. So now all my, so now I'm like the five people who listen to the show are like, oh my God, she's really gone around the bend. It's a very niche uh, (laughs) reference. But I know Rachel because she's a yoga teacher that I I was like obsessed with her class. And um, I will never forget, and I I love to this day that she and I could talk about this, but she had me so relaxed in a yoga class and she was trying out some different sound techniques. Mm -hmm. And did you bang a gong or was it a bowl? well, I'm sure it sounded to you like a gong, but <laughs> I, my sister for Christmas had bought me a bowl, and I had watched a, a yoga class online. So this is my side of the story. I'm happy to hear what you, your experience. Um, and at the end of Shavasana, they it just rang out and it made a very beautiful sound. And when I bought the bowl, um, the person who sold it to me made this beautiful sound. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a, a great way to gently get people out of Shavasana. Um, and I didn't practice it. I thought, oh, how hard could it be? You didn't sound tested first. (laughs) No. Talk about, like, learning from... Um, So I set everyone up for Shavasana from what you're telling me. It must have been a very relaxing class. It was. And I don't, I don't remember what happened. I think I blacked out. I hit, (laughs) and it was not the beautiful, gentle, awakened from Shavasana sound (laughs) So in my memory, it was like this awesome class. We worked really, I think we 
worked pretty hard. And then yeah. at the end, I was like super like where you get into this kind of lully state. And I felt like you were standing above me with trash can lids. And you had gone. <laughs> I had that whole body like and it could have also coincided with that point at which you're like, oh, I'm falling in my dream. So it was like a, and like my whole body shuddered and I woke up and you looked at me like and you were like, oh, shit. Oh, I think it did because as soon as it happened, my first thought was, oh, that was too loud. And I saw you jumped it two feet into the air and I was like, oh, I thought she's never coming back to my class. And it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, I wasn't traumatized by it as much as like, oh, God, I hope she never brings that ball back to class. As I was telling you, it it took a long time to allow myself to to practice. Now I know. Practice. And uh, yeah. And get people used to the sound. Yes. Or maybe say, like, I'm going to wake you up with. Maybe that would have made it less. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, probably not for me. I would have still been like, oh, shit. Like, I feel that way when someone coughs in class and I'm like, I'm super relaxed. So it was just any sound, but for whatever reason, too, it felt and sounded like it was right at my head. Yes. And I don't think you were standing right at my head. No, I was a couple people. I was to the side of the room. But, yeah, I was really tempted to be like, I meant to do that. But there was no. (laughs) So it's funny because – I don't know that this is true, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but did I see you as a young teacher and then saw you when you had, like, completed some training? Or was this, like, uh, like a early in your yoga career that you were teaching, or you were just new to that studio that I was taking classes? Um, you and I met pretty early in my uh, yoga career. I, I've been a teacher for about three years okay um and then I got the job at that studio it it was a lot sooner than I had thought they they were very nice and gave me a a great opportunity to teach there but I think I hadn't even been um, teaching for a a year when I was there um and just because you got your yoga teacher certificate doesn't mean you've had all this experience Mm -hmm. teaching so um even if it I had technically had my teacher certificate. It was still the very beginning of my experience. Okay. I think at that point I was just taking or before um, that studio, I was taking any opportunity I could get. I was volunteering. I was like, "Hey, friends, come over. Let me practice." It's um, it's it's hard when you first get your certificate, especially if you want to teach. Um, but yeah, that was that was pretty much in the beginning, and I was. I think people will tell me, and I'm sure you experienced it, noticeably nervous. So things like that, like the gong incident, um, would happen. I but. feel like you also tried out a soundscape that had some sort of like groaning or like oh. throat singing or something. Okay. And and I remember being like, I had a massage therapist once that had um, she used toning in or sound in the um, massage therapy session. And I would tell her at some point that I found it really annoying. (laughs) And she'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's the energy working through or that whatever. So like you had this soundscape playing at one point. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, she has to shut that thing off. Like I'm going to fucking lose my mind. I remember talking to you about that. First, uh, 
PSA to any uh, yoga instructor or someone who's going to use music for classes, especially more relaxing songs, please go in and listen to the whole thing because sometimes they will put things like five minutes into songs, like certain sounds. Um, you may have unfortunately experienced um, maybe some sensual sounds. That did happen in one of my early classes because I didn't listen to the whole song. I was just like, oh, this is sweet. Throw it in a playlist. But, so there was like people getting it on. Yeah. And so- <laughs> well, yes, there was like d- definitely um, there were sexual breaths, but... That one was an accident. The one that we're talking about here. That's just a side. Just please. Especially because they go into 15-minute songs sometimes. And oh it's great for playlists because it's lulling. But um, the what I was experimenting with was um, or trying to show was that there's different ways to be mindful, if I'm recalling cor- correctly. And some people experience um, – it's easier for them to be mindful – with sound and you are actually probably one of those more auditory if you found it annoying because you noticed it so Mm -hmm. that did even if it wasn't an annoying way it brought you into the room so I think the class that you're talking about I was trying to use different like sensations and the the point was to figure out what you noticed whether it was physical sensation when we were focusing on that Mm -hmm. or sound or smell Mm -hmm. or sight so that um, I think meditation doesn't have to be so difficult or mindfulness I guess yeah, yeah, not yeah. meditation mindfulness um, if you can find the thing that links you to earth the easiest I like I love all that I I'm I want to delve deeper into that because you had a really nice ex- explanation of um, <clears throat> how you show up in class meaning the student and then, and then, how we? What are we responding to? Like, I tend to prefer a teacher that gives really great um, explanation of what the position is, and then mm-hmm. how to modify it, but doesn't do a ton of talking. Mm-hmm. And then, sort of allows you to like your. I like my in my. I'm the kind of yoga student that my mind totally wanders. Yeah, but that's that's very relaxing to me. Yes. Whereas if I have to pay attention to every word you're saying. I find I get out of like the relaxation thing and I'm I'm more like, oh my God, I've got to pay attention to every word. Yeah. I think ideally that's what your experience should be. Um, There's so many different styles, but for a, a truly meditative experience, I feel like a teacher should be able to just kind of, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's the pose. And then you get to have that experience um, and go inside your body. And if you're a little more practiced in yoga or meditation or mindfulness, that kind of class is comfortable for you. But if you're just starting out, you may actually like um, a teacher that talks a lot more because maybe their voice helps you get grounded. You kind of what we were talking about responding before. to the voice as, yeah. as something that's soothing, that's taking yeah. you outside of yourself. Yeah, and I, I say experience, but that's, yeah, I, I didn't I think it's a style preference. Yeah, <laughs> I've already said, I gave, I, I gave her the caveat <laughs> that up front. That sounded so, like, well, <laughs> real. You can keep whatever you wanted. That's not what I meant by it. But I think yes. when you are first starting out, <clears throat> for me, that was helpful. I know if, okay. if I went to a class that was more quiet, my brain would have taken over and it would have been just 
probably had the opposite mm -hmm. effect. But as you get more comfortable, like, okay, I got this. Being safe in your own mind, mm -hmm. I guess. So do you want to talk a little bit about um, how you came to yoga? You know, what, why you decided to pursue it? Um, what was where you sort of are in your path now in terms of being a teacher? Yeah. Um, I know that's a big, those are big questions. So um, the, I didn't really have a reason for coming to yoga. It was kind of a trap. Um, I, <laughs> you my, just fell into it. it. Well, yeah. My, and now you can put your leg behind your neck. No. Oh, you. No, <laughs> no um, actually, it, it was something that a therapist I had been seeing recommended for relaxation. It was something a really good friend and mentor of mine um, had kept on saying, like, come to class with me, come to class with me. And my former boss, who was a psychiatrist, said, you should, you'd really benefit. And um, I initially went not really expecting anything, but very quickly um, things kind of just transformed for me. And I, I was actually thinking about this on the way here. I, I think the whole one of the main goals of yoga is uniting your mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. And all growing up as a child, I was naturally very um, cerebral, very imaginative, and I was thinking all the time. Like, And I've always been that way. And I think I, I grew up um, not really encouraged to play Boards. It wasn't. It was discouraged. It just. It wasn't pushed on me. And I You're, think you strike me as so athletic now. So that's really yeah. interesting. If you met me when I first started, you would be like, "Oh wow." Um, and so, I think when you're a child and you get that kind of intense physical activity, you get a leg up on being mindful um, because, well, mind body. Um, but I. I wasn't that, and I, I got to play as a child, but then into my teens, um, I was even more in my head because, you know, developmentally, that's mm -hmm. what happens anyway, and um, so I would think, I would ruminate, and, um, you know, there's this book on mindfulness that I'm reading now that um, makes a point that people think that they can think their way out of problems, but yeah. You can't. So I was very much stuck in my head. And then my very first yoga class was really one of the first experiences where my body sort of spoke. And I don't think I had the words to um, p describe what was happening, mm -hmm. but that's what was happening. And it was sort of the missing piece because I've always been, you know, a, a thinker. I had the mind there. And I've also always been a very spiritual person. But what was missing was, you know, the rest of me, the, the body. And yoga was a way for me to kind of bring everything that was stuck in my head and just fill it out. And it wasn't an easy instant process, but mm -hmm. it was it was incredible. And yeah, like I said, I don't really think I understood what was going on, but I knew that it was important. And the transformation physically but also mentally happened very quickly. And suddenly I was like, I got to keep going to yoga. So, um, What type of yoga did you start doing at first? So I started with um, hot power yoga. Which is very physical. It's very physical. Um, it it kind of – there wasn't a lot more around at the time. Um, the it was either Bikram, which is like the hot preset sequenced 
like really hot or the the power flows. And so I started in a studio in Beverly where actually a, a lot of people started. And um, it was, <laughs> it's so funny. I, I talk about it like it was a miracle, but it was miserable. I had panic attacks. It was so hot. Like it yeah. was, especially someone who's not, wasn't very um, physical to suddenly be thrown in a room doing sun salutations and sweating. It was, yep. oof. Um, but that's where I started out. And um, so to get to that, the second part of your question, where am I now? It's funny because um, uh, I I do teach some hot yoga classes, but they're really slowed down. And I'd say where things have transformed, um, I, I look at it now because um, it's, it's going to change everything. It, your yoga practice is you're in this constant state of transformation. Um, and I, I'd say the goal is balance. They also call it integration. Mm-hmm. So yeah. whatever is out of balance in your life mm-hmm. is what will kind of – what you'll naturally seek. So in the beginning, I needed that heat. I needed to get my butt kicked a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm kind <clears throat> of I, – I noticed that I need to work on the balance. Um, there's a lot more um, – it's interesting. I'm working a lot more now with my mind again, like being okay with that intellectual side of myself and learning how to feed that. Because there was a while where I was like, no, the, stay away from the mind. The mind is evil. Now I'm like, no, no, no. Like that, that's a part of who you are, your imagination. Yes, and so it's – I'm kind of coming back to that side of things. And um, yin is – a. It's not a new style of yoga, but it's getting very popular. More popular now, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that um, has been awesome, and it's been something that I've been practicing a lot, not only for the, the physical benefits, but really for that. Um, it's a different type of meditation that's mm-hmm. very friendly to you as a person. Like you're, mm-hmm. You invite yourself in and just watch your thoughts and practice with – and it can be really challenging too, yes. because yeah. <laughs> I think. <clears throat> so when I started yoga, oh God, I was three hundred pounds. I had a lot of trouble. I had different, like, I had high blood pressure, and I had back issues, and I was just like sort of looking to do anything that was physical mm. because I had so, like, even walking was kind of really difficult. Yeah, and so I'd found a class with a friend who's who still goes to yoga sometimes with me, and uh, it was a like you know. I want to say she was 95 years old, but she wasn't. She was probably like 65 years old or 75 <laughs> years she old. Was 95, yeah. And she weighed like, you know, 80 pounds soaking wet. And But she was lovely. She was really like a heart-centered teacher. And yeah. it was just Hatha yoga. Yeah. And it was a lot about, you know, you stay on your own mat. You let your neighbors stay on theirs. Mm-hmm. You don't try and compare yourself to what other people are doing. There may be positions that your body likes and can get into that the person next to you is a different size, but that they can't do. Yes. Like, and it's just your body mechanics. And it was very, it was very liberating. It was very freeing. It was very, it was a very nice first step into being back into inhabiting my own body. Yeah. And um, I think I did it twice a week. 
it was like the little old lady who was wearing her jeans next to me and some people were in chairs and like, you know, it was like a community center we went to. And um, I did it for a bunch of years and it was lovely because I think it was, it's the thing that helped me like you, like kind of get back to Mm. um, being a more integrated person. Yes. Like, okay, I am, I am a mind. I, I do highly value that part of myself but I wasn't really taking care of the body part yes and I was ignoring the body part and the body part was like screaming for attention Mm -hmm. in so many different ways um the yoga that I met you through was was yin which was again another kind of like sort of eye opener for me or mind opener for me because I had always I was um struggling a little bit physically but um I was also needing that integration of like um, the idea that you can allow your body to relax into a position and not force it and not jam it and not go for the stretch and not Mm -hmm. have some sort of huge goal purpose in mind and then allow that fragility feeling or that you, like I used to say, I really felt like my hip was going to fly off like and slap like a rubber band. (laughs) Yes, because <laughs> my hip flexors are very oh, tight. The, so the teacher training that I took with uh, Josh Summers, I, I, he'd be fine with me saying his name. He it was absolutely wonderful, but also very frustrating because he really always brought it back to you. And like he'd give you the general al- alignment and his extensive knowledge of you know yin, and he's a um, an acupuncturist, and so he knows a lot about um, that kind of. <laughs> So did I mean to laugh? I don't know if you could hear it through the microphone, but like my, I've been drinking seltzer, and every once in a while I was hearing like, like the seltzer sizzles coming up. Can you So when no one's around, look up ASMR on YouTube. I think you'll find it very nice. Anyway, it's a. I think the most popular YouTuber that does it is. Um, well, it's really it's a big Japanese thing. Yes, but there is a lady, and all she does is she talks about hair brushing. Yes, <laughs> and then you hear the sound of like <laughs> coming through the hair. There's there's ones you can watch that you kind of like the class I was describing before. You can kind of find your they call them asmr triggers like and they'll go through these different sounds oh jeez, yeah <laughs> so that was great that's like one of those like Whoa. late late at night when you can't sleep <laughs> and you're like <laughs> what's your trigger i actually do like the whispers but i'm very particular about the voice I, there's this one woman who she has like an accent um the the guys ones i don't know why maybe this is something i need to analyze that they kind of creep me out but i'm okay with the girls voices mm-hmm. and whispering but none of that like i don't like the clicking but some of the tapping and i actually like the yeah <laughs> i like the the brushing that's that's really nice for me so maybe that explains why it's like the, coming out a little bit one of, one of the other teachers that i really liked um that i've followed from different studios is judith oh 
I love and she's got a kind of like this subtle little accent that you're like is she Polish is she Eastern European is she Russian Mm -hmm. like but she'll say something and then she'll she just has this lovely voice and that's like Mm -hmm. it is a little bit of like an ASMR trigger like getting a tingle I'm getting a tingle here this is getting so real (laughs) yes there and I will purposely seek out classes with people's voices who I know are relaxing. Yes, yes. Um, I don't remember what her name was, but there was a teacher that would, she'd come around and she'd do this like head assist. This is like years and years ago at um, in Beverly. And she'd just whisper like, let go for your head. <laughs> I can't. And it was just like, let go, let go in your head. <laughs> and you would. And it was just, oh, uh, Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and then why is it that certain other voices that you hear and they, they like I've had people who have been a great teacher. Yeah. But their voice just drove me crazy. Like I couldn't listen to it. You know what? <clears throat> one thing I'm so grateful for for um, my previous studio was that she was one of the first people to tell me, like, practice your voice. It's something you may not think about, but it it's. Like you think about, um, like if you were putting a baby to bed, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be like, okay, time to read. <laughs> You'd be like, get in bed. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Maybe you would if you were. Time to go to bed. <laughs> if, if, just, you know, and so. Oh, we could do the whole interview in like some really annoying yeah. voice. Like, I can talk like this. I, Is this yes. good for you? <laughs> and um, I would do a lot of self study, and a lot of like the teacher tips that I would say would be like, work on your voice. Like, Right now, I am speaking, you know, from my lower register and kind of play with uh, my sister is actually a um, she's a voice teacher. And she's been really helpful because you kind of in a yoga class when you when you're practicing have to be both relaxing, but also speak to the back of the room if you're teaching a restorative or a yin class. So um, I think that's I don't know if teacher trainings do this, but. It definitely is something that this should be talked about, like being aware of your own voice and what you sound mm-hmm. like. I mean, some people, like, they can't help your voice, but there are little things that you can do to just kind of um, at least work on practicing. And what was helpful was some voice lessons, but actually also listening to those. Oh, what is his name? Michael Seeley. He's also another YouTube tuber that does um, guided meditations. And I listened to a lot of him and would kind of just, I'd practice talking like him <laughs> with the pauses in his voice. And like Bob Ross. Yes. Like Bob <gasps> Ross. Like Bob Ross. People yes. get the, the tingles from yes, him, too. Yes, the original, oh, the the original. OG ASMR. <laughs> the OG, wow. yes. I never thought that's probably yeah. why people, because it was really relaxing. Oh, just had a little thought bubble. But yeah, um... I think I went off topic of your original question. That's okay. Yeah. That's kind of what the show is. (laughs) Good. And then people are like, I like the way you guys went off topic. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, because my show is all about some some sort of ridiculousness. So, but good. And then I've had other people say it's sort of, um, and I think I have, because I do life coaching, I think I have a coach voice. Yes. And I don't even necessarily realize I'm doing it. Yes. And I was, I've been become more aware of it because I would like to utilize it. Um, and I think sometimes it does show up on the podcast. Um, 
but it also shows up with my fiance who's like, do not use your coach voice on me. I can tell it's coming up right now. The other thing is I usually call him handsome. Yes. And if I call him Adam, he's like, no, absolutely no. not. No, don't. Do not use Adam. my given name. <laughs> and I say it in coach voice and he's like, no, uh, no. no. And he's like, he's like the easiest going, most like go with the flow kind yeah. of guy. And if those two things shows up, he's like, uh-uh, no. That's, I don't. Take a <laughs> Take a ride. Good luck. Goodbye. I, so, it, I don't ha- get to use yoga voice in my real life, but I cannot have uh, any of my sisters specifically come to my class because um, you'll I, laugh. Yes, my <laughs> sister Vicky. When we're, she, we're the, the more giggly of the the, the girls. Um, <laughs> How many sisters do you have? Four. Oh, gosh. Four little sisters. Um, and each time I have brought them to a yoga class or um, uh, they've come to one of my classes, the whole time I've had to try not to laugh because they're not used to me talking like this. <laughs> and I, for when I brought Vicky to class, I, I distinctly remember she was just cracking up the whole time. And I didn't know why. And I was cracking up because she was cracking up. And later she was like, it's because you never sound like that. She's like, I couldn't. I'm sorry. but And then when I went around to do that, I do a little like a head assist. Yes. She kind of she had her eyes closed. And you know when someone does that pre-crack up like little. Yeah. And. I I remember I had to pretend I was coughing because I, was, <laughs> I feel bad for anyone else who's in the class. So the, my sisters aren't allowed to come to any of my classes. I think maybe I've gotten better, but oh, it would just because we're terrible. Like if we go to like my parents' church, we just we're giggling the whole time and this <laughs> put us in any sort of situation. You guys are situation. like the Italian version yes. of Pride and Prejudice or something. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so many parallels to my family and that story. I remember reading it, being like, "Oh my god, this this is us." They're replaying the um, Pride and Prejudice version of uh, Colin Firth in um, oh, on like the PBS on on BBC, the, yes. the BBC version of it. Yeah, so it was like 1992 or something came out. Oh. It came out a bunch, and I'm like, "It's just as wonderful yes. now." Oh my gosh. And I remember, like, you know how it, it may have been that version of the movie that I first saw it, but I remember when the, the high society people were kind of offended by the behavior of that family. I was like, oh, like, I didn't feel embarrassed for them. I was angry at everybody else. Cause I, and it's probably because I'm like, oh, that's my family. We would <laughs> yes, it is your family, us. right? I, I would not do well in high society. I would just be laughing all the time. <laughs> So which is the sister that takes the gorgeous fo- photographs? That's Vicky. That's the one that giggles through my classes. She's uh, very, very talented um, and so funny. Like at the – when I launched my my website and I've been starting to try to like build my personal yoga business, um, I, she took all the pictures. She did a great job and I kind of did a, her, a little shout out and she's gotten more like uh, – more leads on that than I have. Like people have been reaching out to me, like, oh, I haven't heard from in years. Like, oh, hi, Rach, how are you? Hey, will Vicky take my picture? And I'm, I'm happy for her. But I was like, oh, yeah, but cut the yoga class. Well, I think 
So your photographs on Instagram and on your website are gorgeous, taken by your sister. Um, And I, I think that's one of the tough things is that you are such a great teacher that people kind of maybe have to experience you. And I think mm-hmm. you're putting more videos up, right? I'm going to, tr- yeah, I, I need to put more short, videos up. Short ones. Little short Because then people get to hear your voice. Yes. They get to see actually how you teach and not just see how beautiful you can do the pose or how yeah. how Instagram gorgeous you are. Oh, thanks. Or, When I invited her to come on, I said, you're an Instagram adorable. (laughs) And like, you have your perfect little whatever pose. Yeah. Um, It's so funny that that's something that I'm trying to be more aware of. And even this... None of that was a criticism. No, I understand. and But it's something that I need to be aware of because my... the reasoning behind putting my face and my body there is so that I don't this is like this is the truth of it is so I don't have to download pictures of other people like I want the content to be my own yes and it's kind of a weird thing to ask of people like hey can I take photos of you while you're in class I really don't want to take away from that experience yeah so I'm it's so and in looking at it I'm like oh, this make this probably comes off as really um egotistical there's so many no. pictures of me well it, it maybe it's just something that I want to be aware of and I don't want to create that impression mm-hmm. um and also something that I've been thinking about too the last when I your first yoga shoot you want to do all the impressive photos mm-hmm. but um it's funny I just had a conversation with my current the current studio owner where I work about how that doesn't really help anybody. So I've been trying not to do too complicated poses in Mm -hmm. those photos, Mm -hmm. like more simple, like Mountain Warrior 2, because that's the basic ones. Um, But I guess what I'm trying to say is the the impression online is probably very different than you would experience in my class. I think... um, It's weird for me to say this because I don't see myself as what you said, like Instagram perfect, like at, at all um I'll take it but <laughs> that's not how I see myself and um if I leave someone with that I don't want to be intimidating I guess is yes what I'm trying to say because I'm really very um accessible very very friendly person and you are you're very accessible thanks. and while I, I think that comes out in the photographs oh, though too I, I think that uh, I think if you're searching for a blend I think you've got it but I also have the benefit of knowing you yes so when I look at those pictures I know that you are not necessarily at the front of the class always demonstrating and asking us to follow your lead Mm. by what you're by you being the model like you're really good at like I could I've done classes of yours where Mm. my eyes have been closed so I'm not even looking at you amazing um that's good yeah because your your verbal cues are that good or your sequence is that good or you're you're floating around the room so much that you're accessible so I think it's tough because I can imagine and I've encountered this as a coach um you don't want to present yourself as the expert or the perfection or the model of whatever because that that sets you up for failure but there are people out there that will look at whatever photograph you put out there whatever bio you write as the expert and they want to hire an expert Mm -hmm. maybe those aren't your clients that's okay yes um i think there is that little bit of a dance that 
you're absolutely right. I don't want to present myself as the expert, A, because I'm not. But on the other side, like in growing a business, you do have to – that's something that I'm still learning. And as I'm sure you you know, it's a, a fine line. But um, for the, the yoga classes and atmosphere, I, I don't think any teacher should or wants to um, – they they do want to be accessible and that's everyone should feel comfortable in their own body and this took a lot of work but um part of teacher growth is being able to describe poses and mm-hmm. rely less on modeling that that is helpful in certain things like yeah, if you yeah. want to demonstrate okay this is how we're doing the sequence or sequence or show something new yeah. or like i think you were you were like hey let's all try crow today yeah. and we were all like Ugh. and you were like no 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 i'll show you and, yeah and as you broke it down we were all like oh we could try that yeah. and not die but um now and this is something that's still kind of dawning on me what i will have people do if they're struggling with a pose don't look at youtube videos like have a t- an instructor say like okay here's how to break it down i mean, i love youtube i talked about youtube a lot um, I, I, but I guess I know what you do with all yeah. your time. You do you. <laughs> um, uh, film yourself doing the pose. And it, it may be silly or a little embarrassing to somebody, but it, you looking at your own body, um, what I try to encourage people is you, you're more intuitive about what something should look like or on your body than you may think. And I know for myself and for um, a lot of people who are looking to imp- either improve a posture or um, I'll, I'll have them – I'll either take a picture of them in the pose or I will have them take a little video and, be, and they'll be like, oh, my tailbone's way up in the air in plank. And so, yeah, you, you do really want to encourage people to kind of figure it out for themselves. So other than finding you in one of the studios you teach in, um, why would someone hire you for personal yoga training or teacher or whatever? So many reasons. Um, I would say uh, number one would be to improve your practice. Um, There's a lot of um, basic alignment structures to each pose that – not because of the failure of any teacher. You just don't really have time to get into in a, a basic practice that you could be practicing yoga for years and not know like, hey, here's exactly how to hold your hand. Mm-hmm. And a private yoga session, just going over the basic movements can be so helpful. So that would be like if you want mm-hmm. to have a safer practice, you don't even have to take that many privates. Just learn how to align yourself. And it's, it's very simple. Um, also private classes are really great for kind of what we were talking about way in the beginning about bringing yourself into balance because yoga is all about bringing yourself into balance and what you get with a private instruction is we get to sit down and talk a little bit more about you and what's going on Mm -hmm. and I get a sense of what makes you more relaxed Um, and i Sometimes I'll sit down with people and tell them news that they don't want to hear. Like they'll come in wanting maybe a yin. And I'm like, well, actually, you probably benefit from just a little bit more movement to bring yourself yeah. into balance. Yeah, or yeah. Um, and another another reason would be I think what we call it therapeutic yoga. Therapeutic yoga. 
therapeutic yoga, um, which is basically if you're a runner and you need to a specialized Mm -hmm. like deep recovery for your hips or if you're having low back pain and you want a few things to work on it. Or uh, another reason, if you are a brand new teacher and you kind of want to get feedback, a lot of um, extra teacher training that I did was going to... uh, private yoga sessions with teachers I really respected and being like, hey, look at this sequence or, you know, help me with this. And I, I learned a lot, actually. I would highly recommend it for new teachers. It's, it's really helpful. We also have a common um, teacher who I didn't know that I was going to like at first, but I ended up adoring her, uh, Christina. <gasps> Christina. Hi, Stina. She has such a high voice. When I heard her talking in the hallway, I was like, oh, I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> she can't I trigger can my ASMR. <laughs> and then I got into class and I thought, oh, oh. And then seriously, like, I, I've never, I'm, I'm, I again, like, I think my, sort of like, I think of my <laughs> hips as like a steel trap. And it's going to, they're just going to snap. Things are going to snap in half or fly off. And she would have us do dragon pose, and she She would get louder and louder when Mm -hmm. we were in dragon pose. And she'd be like, I know it's not great, but you got to stick with it. It's a great, it's a great posture. You can do it. Mm -hmm. I'm right there with you. It stinks right now. She may have said sucks, but and I'd be like, and she'd get louder and louder, and like you could start to feel like everyone's fire go. Yes, and then she'd be like, stick out your tongues. I'd be like, and um, I started looking forward to the class to do that pose. Like I like really hated it initially, but then. I was like, and then I did goat yoga with her oh. last summer, which I loved her class, and I love goats. I actually did not like the goat yoga because the goats were of on course. top of me, and They're it hurt. So really? They, they hurt? It hurt. Their hooves, they had oh. pointing hooves. I, I had bruises all over my Oh, my gosh. There was like three of them on me at one point. My my fiancé was like laughing and taking pictures yeah. and like videos, and I'm going like, Oh my gosh. Oh, I didn't oh. know it would hurt. It hurt like a son of a bitch. <laughs> and also, like, you know, I'm a little doughy. Yeah. And I'm very, very sensitive. Like, all it takes for me to get a bruise is like that. So, like, the, the next day, I had like hoof marks and like bruises. And, like, that is not the fault of oh. the goat yoga or the goats or anything. Like, that's like truly me. And at one point, yeah. there's a picture of me enjoying you're, goat you're yoga. Get sued by the goat <laughs> yoga. Community. Goat yoga. And I was like, my arms are up and my neck is twisted. And I'm going, like, oh. And I, but I got to hold the goats, and that was fantastic. Yeah. And I got to take class with Christina, and that was lovely. Yes. But I'm not going to do goat yoga. The goat yoga industry is going to come after you. They're they're pretty big now. Well, a lot of people were like, all about those goats I'm being on them. And I was like, maybe these are the same type of people that want like small Japanese women yes. to like jump on their backs and stuff. Which I don't want that. There's definitely, um, yeah, personal preference. But what Christina actually, she was one that was, she's really great with, um, so a yoga class. Oh, my God. That's a good one. That's the spit guard. That's so like you run your finger over the spit guard like this. <laughs> so 
Christina, anyway, was an, one. She's like me. She's very. Uh, Is she? I she, feel like she had a really high voice. I think she, we're all. Do just, I have a high voice? I think I have a high voice. I think you have a more deep voice. Really? She, okay. She's like me. I think she's Sicilian. We have the Italian indoor voice, which isn't an indoor voice. So when we speak normally, people will be like, why are you shouting? Why are you but yelling at me? It's so funny. She Once you get into the classroom with her, and something that I kind of took from her classes, she, she kind of ebbs and flows with the postures, which you need to she be does. able to do. Which she is, does, yes. Because when you're in a pose like Dragon, it's not relaxing anything. It, it can be kind of annoying if someone's like, oh, just relax. When you're like, Wah! And you want to be like, Inside. I'm going to fucking stab. Yes, yeah. On. And I think that a good teacher will ebb and flow with you. Like when it's time to come down, it's time to come down. But if you are like in the heat of the moment, Christina and then my uh, Trisha Philpot, who was the one who trained me, was just – you got chills like when you were doing sun salutations because you'd be up and she'd be up and you're like, yes. And then when you were down, you were, it was just so talented. And that is actually, it's a big part of a, the yoga experience. And I don't know if that's insert. Maybe I shouldn't be telling people. That. <laughs> but um, yeah, she, she was really great. And I think you're not the first person to say that about Christina and her, her dragons. She's, <laughs> I'm gonna talk to her and be like, "Hey, you're good. But she'll be good with it." Oh, it was aw- right no, it's awesome. Mm. It's truly awesome. And I'd be like, "Oh my god!" And I, I, I remember thinking like, "She's gonna explode. She's gonna <laughs> slap someone <laughs> because she was getting louder and louder." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I re- Tom's gonna. The shit's going down in yes. yoga class." I remember being in half pigeon in one of her classes and. It did feel like she was yelling directly at me, like, and but like almost like she could see my thoughts. She's like, "I know you want to give up, but you're not going to do that because you didn't come here." Blah blah blah. blah. And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> she's uh, going to she, make I me think cry in yoga she, class. She's a very intuitive person, so I think she she can read the room. So that may feel that may be why it feels so personal when yes, that happens. Yes, yeah, yes. So yeah, if you have the added added benefit of like. Sen- sensing what's going on in your class and kind of being like okay yep here with you why do you think that um yoga and reiki go together um why do i think so like in some ways they don't they don't okay (laughs) um it they're reiki is of course japanese um i think that they go together in the way that it's a holistic treatment um, and for those of you out there who are Reiki and yoga instructors, I'm, I'm speaking in generalizations. Um, mm-hmm. um, they go naturally together because people who come to yoga generally are people who are seekers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is uh, – they're both um, ways to kind of um, experience healing mm-hmm. and experience relaxation uh, in a way that you – won't necessarily you won't get it from a gym class you wouldn't get it from um a say a a church service Mm -hmm. um they go together in that sense i don't know if i'm making sense but that almost like the east in eastern um, medicine and eastern philosophy there is a lot of more spending time with yourself and um it's a lot of like relaxing and um just experiencing your body. And I guess 
they they're linked together and that Reiki is actually a good way to um, experience your body there's not a lot happening um, you are you're laying on a table mm-hmm. um, and some people do I do hands-on and the, the way that I explain it to people is that basically your your body's kind of healing itself all I am is a my hands are but they call it conduit and you're placing my hand on areas of the body and the idea is there's you know life force flowing from me through the hands to you and every place I put my hands wherever you need the healing and experience it'll just go Mm -hmm. and even if you don't adhere to the the details of how it works it is a very relaxing experience and I feel like we I want to bring it back watch this watch how I bring this whole thing all right Stand I'm back. with you. So the why we're so giggly about ASMR and almost embarrassed that like we listen to it. It's a very um Oh oh I'm not, Oh yeah. I'm, not a I'm the one that has to reconcile it. You're right. <laughs> Sorry to project that onto you. But I think the reason that people are uncomfortable by it is because our our culture in general, we are not very comfortable in silence. Eh? We're not oh, very time. Yeah, yeah. Um and I think we have a little bit of guilt about things that make us feel relaxed. And mm-hmm. I don't – I have my opinions on why that is, but to, like, sit Because down. relaxation is the opposite of achieving. Yes. And yeah. a lot of us come to yoga because we want to achieve something. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was going to kind of summarize yes. or, or you synthesize what mm-hmm. you were going to say is I see yoga and Reiki as both acknowledging um, – ourselves as a conduit of energy yes and so we get to mitigate that we get to not control it but know and allow in a flow a flow through and have it be a flow a flow through Hmm. when you're trained in reiki that's one of the things is sort of this idea of um allowing what is yes and that's kind of what yoga is too and those are two seemingly simple things yeah but very challenging they can be very challenging especially for a western mind and someone oh who's, my gosh yeah yeah well you should have just answered that question i should have thrown it back to you that no was a great i was curious i was really curious how you were gonna but, how you were gonna bring yeah it. well I, I no one's ever asked me that before to be honest with you and i was like oh what what is the connection but that that's my guess but the what you were just talking about the allowing is Huge, and it's something that um, a, a concept that's very hard for people to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, this, this book that I'm reading currently. It's uh, it's about mindfulness, but specifically for treating anxiety. And it talks about it has like this simple sentence. I should have brought it with me, but it says that. You, you can't – I said this earlier, but you can't solve a problem by thinking about it. And I say a statement like that, and you're like, oh, yeah, sure, that makes sense. But no, you don't, like, let go of the thought completely. And then comes the, well, I have to think about it to let go of it, but no. And the only way in my mind to experience that is to practice things like Reiki mm-hmm. and yoga because then you start to be like, oh – you you can kind of experience stepping back from your thoughts and um, or stepping back from an experience and be like I don't have to follow that 
Like, right. I understand. Like, right. or a problem will present itself, like, on my way here. I was present. I, I was dealing with uh, something came up and, uh, you know, family drama. And uh, I was like, wait, I'm about to record a podcast. I'm so excited. I'm, I've always wanted to do this. And it kind of allowed me to take a step back and be like, I can deal with this later. And so yes. allowing it, allowing is something I'm still practicing because yeah. there's a difference between allowing and kind of um, uh, running away from, which I can also yeah, yeah. do. That doesn't mean that you're ignoring, not and, at all. And like you said, it's a practice. Mm. Like we will have times in our day when perhaps we're more fluid with that. We'll have the projects that we work on or things that we're drawn to that perhaps we are able to allow more fully to sort of just flow rather than try to control or shape or bend or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, as much as I've wanted to do this podcast, I am a, what they call a fact finder. <laughs> so, you know, like the first time it took, I, I bought a car, it took me five years worth of research to finally decide what to do. I read books on yes. how to buy a car mm-hmm. and read different kinds of cars to buy and went in probably with a speech that I had rewritten at least four times. Oh my God. So, you <laughs> know, knowing that. that that's part of my personality, yes. um, the idea that, you know, this podcast was in the making for like four years, it went through several different iterations. Mm. I had originally started it with two other women because I thought I really needed co-hosts because that was the only way possible I could do this project. And when the opportunity presented itself, none of those conditions were present. Yeah. And I just was like, oh, I'm going to do that. Yeah. It, but I didn't think about it a lot. But perhaps because I had already thought about it. Right. Or perhaps because I had already thought about it, I was able to sort of allow it and let it go yeah. for the moment. And when that opportunity presented itself, I didn't immediately reject or think through it too much. Yes. If you ever figure out that balance between <laughs> planning and figuring it out yes. and letting go, let me know because I'm still <laughs> – I. It's different for everyone, I think. Yeah. And, it, and again, like I said, it has to do with time of day. Mm-hmm. It maybe has to do with practice. Yes. <laughs> maybe because I'm so much older than you, I've practiced at not letting go of things. Yes. And again, I'm still yeah. like there. So, hey, great. I was able to get this podcast thing off the, <clears throat> you know, off the books and yeah. into real life. But I also um, spend a lot of time like looking at who I want to interview yeah. and then but every single person who I've interviewed has dovetailed perfectly into the last person and the previous person and yeah. then that con- and I feel like I'm having not the same conversation but a continuous conversation yes with different people with different perspectives yeah I didn't plan that no I didn't I don't know that I even noticed that until this moment yeah and I I think that's the beauty of starting to practice that letting go is you start to realize that it's okay and you don't have to be in control all the time. So what does letting go mean to you? So letting go to me is – I'll describe it in uh, ways that I notice that uh, it comes up. I I love writing, absolutely love writing, and I had previously done it just as kind of a, a release, but now that – um, I put up my website. I've been trying to do a blog. And when I say trying, I mean 
that I overthink it to death. I want every sentence to be perfect. I want my sense of humor to come through because that's important to me. I want. I don't want to sound like an idiot, you know, like, and so what will happen is I will have this really great idea and I, I, I want, I'll go back and look at the same sentence over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And the, what I used to do was just kind of disregard the, like throw it away entirely. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the first times that um, it was, I, I just was brave enough to have someone look at, like, please just look at my blog. They're like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, only, well, didn't say it was amazing, but they're like, oh, just this, this, and this. This is a really great idea, or this was really funny. And when I finally let it go to them, uh, and saw that it was okay, and I got that feedback. Mm-hmm. Then now, when I recognize myself, uh, you know, getting a little bit, uh, spending three hours at Cafe Nero editing the same paragraph, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, I feel like letting go is to trust that. Listen, I've done my best, mm-hmm. and if this is something that is supposed supposed to be out there, I'm just going to put it out there and. That that's what I mean by letting go. Like you, yes, you you do your best, but then just you know go and do it. And it's so tough because I think letting go for me had a lot of connotations of giving up, mm. and and so I always had trouble with the f- with phrasing of letting go. And, and even in yoga class, I would be like, <laughs> yeah, because in the end of class, sometimes you're so tired if you've done a vigorous practice. Or for me, if it's a lot of sun salutations. You do want to just like give up. You want to be like, yes, I'm done. <sighs> but letting go is really, it's like, it's, it's releasing, it's breathing. Mm. There's some consciousness to it. And it's not, um, it, it's a, an exchange. Yes. It is an exchange. So it's not completely like hands open, everything flows out. But it's um, it's uh, it's letting go of what you. I think you say this perhaps in class, like yeah. no letting go of what no longer serves you. I was just gonna say that, but yeah. allowing things to come in that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that's exactly what I was gonna say. A lot of letting go is literally letting go. But um, when you, for instance, do uh, like cognitive behavioral therapy, or just if you study behavioral um, therapy, you can't. Um, just eliminate a behavior. You have to have something that replaces it in order to move forward, and that's kind of how it works in the um, in in that way. You can recognize that you have an old belief system, but it's uh, belief systems are in place in your mind because they they frame your world. And if you don't have another belief to replace that with, yeah. then you really aren't at a place where you can let go. Um, like. Uh, by belief system, I mean something like if you've always for yoga. I always believed I wasn't an athletic person growing up. Like, oh no, I'm I'm a. And these are all statements that are actually like I am statements. I am a girly girl, or I'm not athletic, and they're very um, they're limiting. But when you start to realize they're not true, you then before you can let go of those statements, you have to have a new sort of okay, uh, I am strong, you know, something to uh-huh. replace it. So it, exactly. Well, a lot of times 
Or you can be both. Yeah, you can, you can be, be a girly both. girl. Yeah, and, and then athletic. When you have graduated yoga, <laughs> you realize all oh, exist. No, I'm just kidding. But yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Because, and it's it's so funny how you you start out here, but then as you grow, a lot of it is realizing like I needed to be athletic for a, a while that was all I did to the point where I was off balance there and not really mm-hmm. really neglecting and actually being angry at the philosophical side of me and kind of like I, I was going to mention this when you were talking about like studying about the car mm-hmm. well that's part of your personality right like yes, it's it not something that you want to get rid of it's perhaps something right. that you want to recognize okay this is part of my personality how can I you know make this work make this work for me yes um so but it's it's all about balance and eventually you start to get to a point eventually you get to a point where it's not necessarily about labels they're useful like for a period of time right um to help identify the behavior behavior or the thought or whatever it is and again it's not necessarily like you said eliminating it altogether it's like what is part of this that's working for me yes Uh, it makes me highly motivated i recognize that i actually like learning things i'm gonna be the kind of person that does research now maybe that research doesn't need to take five years (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or maybe I'm the kind of person, too, that needs, like, certain conditions to be right yes. or feel that they're right. Mm-hmm. So how do I make that happen for myself? Yeah. I read a lot or I get a lot of information, and then that makes me feel like I'm ready to take the leap. But then what you're saying is hopefully you're kicking into some sense of your intuitive sense yes. of that, which is you and your body, not the intellectual side, but your body and your spirit and your mind side get together and you are able to tap into, I know this is right for me in my gut. Mm-hmm. Maybe other people know it because it's right for them in their shoulder, wherever yeah. it lives in your body. And that you, you're making the decision holistically. Yes. Does that sound? That sounds perfect because I think you and I are t- coming from similar um, similar tendencies. We're both thinkers. We love to read and we are very – I just love saying the word cerebral. I'm not even sure if I'm using it correctly. But like we're mm-hmm. thinkers. We like to plan. Um, so balance for us means we do a lot of practice with mm-hmm. letting go and um, – I mean – you're a very intuitive person, but I mean, being comfortable with um, letting that speak for you and not yeah. worrying about, oh, like, yeah. did that sound right? Or like, does, it, does that make well, sense? I still reread every email, yeah. like, at least four times after I've sent it. And, like, and yeah. then sometimes it's... <laughs> So this is my own ego thing. Yes. But I'll reread it because I really like the way I said it. Oh, <laughs> okay. So it's not always about like second guessing myself. And then I'll read it yes. again and I'll be like, I'm good. Damn. Have you ever, well said, Felicia. Have you ever made a uh, written or made a joke that you were so proud of? <laughs> yes, yes. Of course. I Of course. But the last blog I wrote, I had this line. It had nothing to do with the blog. I was just so proud of it. Where I was talking about, I did this like little exercise on the song "The Reason." Should I bring it up? Yes, please read it <laughs> aloud. I was laughing to myself at this joke, and I almost that was another article I almost didn't do, but I put it up. 
because I was hoping someone would read the line and find it as funny as I did. And you're absolutely right. We can pretend like we're, oh, I'm a fact checker. This is why I do it. But some of it is ego. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. But it's kind of a, uh, you have to, uh, for this particular joke, it's the reason is me. And it's like the second line in. You have to be a New Englander to get it. So you have... I remember the song The Reason by Hoobastank. Yep. So it's just get to the Rem- David Allen Boucher part, and that's the part that I was laughing at. Oh, here we go. Remember before it was played to death and sent to Magic 106.7, a.k.a. Song Afterlife, where the souls of one-hit wonders can finally rest in the bosom of De- David Allen Boucher's lulling, velvety voice. <laughs> Was that was that your snark that you were like so proud of? I was so proud of it and so (laughs) mad that nobody. Well, maybe they noticed it. I asked my mom, like, did you know my David Allen Boucher joke? Because I just had this little visual in my mind of because Magic One Hundred Six Point Seven is where songs go to die, like songs that have been played to death. Yes, that's where you go find them. And I've always loved speaking of bedtime magic, like. It just for some reason I had this visual like oh no that's like song heaven like when songs are played oh, to death they go to songs he, he loves he just rocks them gently <laughs> against his bosom yes not that he has bosoms but. not that he has bosoms I hate that word I don't know why I use it but it was like a <laughs> was, heaven visual like was, the bosom of Abraham but it, it was better it was a better visual it was a better yeah. li- literary visual and you know what maybe as you're reading it out loud the uh, <laughs> Maybe it's not as funny as You should still be proud it. of it. You should still be proud of it. There's a, uh, I listened to uh, WERS, which yes. is the college radio station. They have uh, their sort of after hours thing oh. that's called the secret spot. And, oh, so essential. And, and it's a very nice, um, very, very tenor yes. gentleman who does the secret spot, mm-hmm. which doesn't even sound. That sounds like a horrible version of it. The <laughs> secret spot. But my next, my neighbors upstairs call it the wet spot. <laughs> <laughs> because it is you and your, you, let's get sexy with, you know, boys to men or whatever it is. <laughs> With the secret spot, so they know what they're doing when they they do, and it's so funny. Oh gosh, and Delilah, although I find her annoying, but anyway, the the whole the the, yes, you're absolutely right. There's some things proud of yourself. Really proud of myself, and now I feel like I just showed you the painting that is in kindergarten. (laughs) I want you to put it on the fridge. You can go ahead and take that. But anyway, very clever. Thanks. And uh, yes, as opposed to this painting here, which we all comment on at MATV in the basement, is a velvet painting of. Oh yeah, I've been looking at it this whole time. It's awful. It's it's uh, sad discarded yard sale thrift. I think floatsome and jetsome. (laughs) Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think a part of what a, a writer or someone who does read a lot or does like the artistic more mediums like this, you are proud of your work. So when you present yourself and you do happen to have a really good idea, like you, you want it to be really polished. So I think that might be part of it too, you know, like, yeah. And I think, um, for writers who have, perhaps the tendencies that we have we can get in our own ways just a little Mm. bit too much because probably the part of the writing that's good is um is definitely if it's been edited or thought through but it is tapping into your intuitive sense so your sense of humor your style your voice yeah which is 
way more intuitive and less intellectual. Yes. So it may or may not be grammatically correct. It may be using phrases. It may be um, jokes like that. You know what I mean? And it's tough because you can sometimes, I've found at least, I can edit out some of my good stuff. Yes. Because I want it to, I'm trying to sh- trying so hard to shape it that sometimes I'll shape the good stuff out. Yes. So now I have a really hard time with my editing process because I tend to be uh, a really good get it all out on paper Mm. or type it all out. And it's all a big ball of junk and it can sometimes be meaningless and there may be wonderful things in there. And then I'll go back and edit it. But I usually try and leave it alone for at least 24 hours. Like that's my thing. Yeah, because I've... I've when you edit certain things out, it can feel. What I've started to do is I used to just delete things, um, but now I'll copy and paste it into a different document. Perfect, perfect. Then it doesn't feel like it's a good thought that I just had to shoot in the backyard. (laughs) It's okay. It just went to live in a farm upstate to run to run in the fields and chase rabbits. (laughs) It's okay. It didn't die. Let it go. I put them at the bottom of my document. Oh, I cut and paste it and no. put it at the bottom of my document. Well, and I, I don't know if this is my my. Um, I I always say like, oh, it's my ADHD, but I think part of it's just the way the human mind works. Is I'll have an idea and then that will trigger another idea. Kind of this is why I enjoy listening to your podcast so much because <laughs> I do like structure. Really, it's great, but. Sometimes you have a really good idea, and you're like, "Oh yeah!" And th- th- right, th- 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 right. So right. there's a nice balance when you're when you're writing or when you're creating something like this, which is why it's wonderful to have an editor. Oh my gosh, um, editors are amazing people, and it's oh, funny because I am do God's work. I'm a pretty good editor for other for other people's stuff. People mm. stuff. Absolutely Preach. not from me. Like. My, I don't have a nine to five job. I have a um, job. I can work any hours, yeah. but that's what I get paid to do. Is I'm a clinical editor. It's a specific really? type of editing. So I'm okay. editing things that nurses write and making it adhere to a certain format oh. for the insurance company. That's what I do. Yeah. But I, so I'm always thinking like, does it make sense? Is Mm -hmm. it um, grammatically correct? Does it check certain boxes? Is it an objective statement versus a subjective statement? Are they using too many abbreviations? Yes. Is what they're saying really what they mean? Or are they they like using too few words to explain what it is they need to explain? So it's, it's a lot of editing skills that I have a really hard time applying to my own work. It's so funny because I feel so hypocritical when I say I'm an excellent editor because if you were to look at my own work, I feel like that doesn't reflect in it. But I'm good at and you know what it is? I think it's the emotional because so yes. much of your voice does go into it and yes. I have a, a good friend, her name is Hannah, who um, I I barter with her. Like I'll, I'll watch her kids and she'll do editing for me and she's just such a she was a, a grammar teacher. <laughs> she, when she gives me back the papers, first of all, she's a godsend because I'm able to just be like, okay, I'm just giving it to Hannah. And she sends it back to me. You can tell she's a teacher. She's like, 
<laughs> you made a couple errors here, here, and here, and but like she'll like kind of encapsulate it with like I hope she puts a sticker on that. I want it. <laughs> she she puts it exactly the way like your grammar teacher used to say like criticism, but then veiled in a overall your point was blah blah blah, and it makes you feel so good about you yourself. Like a, Rachel, you're terrific. <laughs> sticker no, on there. No, not even that. Like she just she corrects you in such a way that you you were corrected, but you feel great about yourself. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, I, whatever you do, don't ever give it to your significant other. So no. I, gave, I gave some stuff to my fiance because no. he's a really good, like, he's very, he's a grammarian. He he edits work at, at yes. his own work. And I thought, oh, it'd be really helpful. I was trying to get something ready for a submission. And he came back and he was like, I had written it very conversationally and I had sort of done the thing where I was telling a short story. So I put like the action right up in the beginning yeah. and he put it back to like the thing I'm going to talk to you about today is X, Y, Z and then repeat that phrase. And so he made it very formulaic and I thought, oh, well, you know, I've asked him to edit it and he like didn't get what I was writing no. about. He didn't get my tone. And he was like, there's a couple of times like I felt like it it was it was too informal or whatever. So he had turned it back into a thesis when it really <laughs> didn't need to be such. Yes. Here so and I was like, I'm never having no. him read one of my things I ever think again. Unintentionally Thanks, Han. Family or significant others can turn it into they're correcting things about you. <laughs> <laughs> but do I have time to share a quick story about this? Sure. This is what the significant others are good for, is when you... So the first... I was going to come out the gate, the first blog on my website. And I um, I grew up in the um, Christian faith, and a lot, of, a lot of people who are connected to me on Facebook know me from church. Okay. And I get a lot of questions about, um, well, what about yoga and faith? And maybe someday I'll write a blog about that. Right. But I... I had spent, and I was so proud of this, like, hard-hitting piece that I'm like, I'm going to shake up the religious world and the yoga world with this. And I was so, I was, like, shaking with excitement. You know when you have something that you're so proud of? Yes, yes. And I, I went home, and I told my boyfriend about it. And he it, he wasn't mean about it, but he was like, yeah, you, you probably don't want to marginalize your five-person audience. <laughs> make them all on your first blog he's like when you have a huge gathering you can and he was absolutely right it was not so on this do you know who doreen virtue is no okay so she was big into angel cards she was huge yeah, yeah. seller on hay house which mm. is sort of the alternative world's yes. version of publishing so doreen became born again mm-hmm and Doreen put out an article. I forget where it was, but someone linked it to it. And I actually read the whole thing. And as vir- virulent as she was with angel cards and whatever, yeah. she has now become that for born again Christian- Christianity. Yeah. So she went through A to Z, all of the things that she has previously promoted and had her name on them. Oh, and it dance. all boiled down. Yes, all boiled down to... It's Satan talking to you. It's all satanic. It's all Satan, 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 Satan. And as we went through all the different things, there are some that it was like, I was really having a hard time there, like like crystals. 
another thing for Satan to get into your body. And, and I was just by the middle of the article, I know it wasn't meant this way. I was snort laughing. I was dying. I was crying because it felt like an onion article. It felt <laughs> like she, oh, it was accidentally a parody of herself. Yes. Oh no, honey. It, and I just felt terrible because I don't think I, I don't think I have any Doreen Virtue angel cards. But <gasps> oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. She. Oh wow. Yes. Yeah. So now everything is Satan. Everything Satan. Wow. Satan, she Satan. took a hard turn. She took a big turn. Well, she's born again, and I guess in the born again faith that I I encountered someone mm. when I was doing Reiki in hospice. I was sanctioned by the hospice. I had been trained by the hospice. I had been brought in because the nurse, who was the daughter of the patient, mm. said, "Please, would you come in and do some Reiki? I find it relaxing. My mom finds it relaxing." The family members thought that I was like, oh no, trying to bring her closer to Satan. When when the the woman was comatose at the point I I was holding her hand, she could have just believed that I was praying. And in in my mind, I was bringing to her what she needed, yes. which could have been whatever her religion told her it yeah. was. So the fact that her family was so upset with me when there was nothing like I not wasn't dressed in black. I didn't have upside down crucifixes on my forehead yeah. or anything. I didn't <laughs> wasn't pushing an agenda. I was I I pulled away and you know, excused myself from the room when they showed up. But just the looks of disapproval and their Ooh. upsetness by my presence. Oh, that it, can be hurtful. And helping their mother who was dying I mean, what I would say to I, I'm, I'm not putting down, um, you know, religious people, but I, I don't I think a lot of that kind of mindset is left over from like the satanic panic, which really hasn't gone away. Like when yeah. the Eastern teaching started to come over and a lot of the fear is just based on misinformation. Right. Um, a lot it, of the Eastern tradition is older than Christianity. Yes. Older. <laughs> and. For those, for people, I try to, I, I'm going to have to figure out a way to gently say this, but if you are a Christian, you believe when you become a Christian, you are protected from Satan. Like, so he, <laughs> to think that the evil dark Lord himself is so interested in you. That he loves he himself jump. some angel cards. Yes. <laughs> some crystals, a little angel cards, a little hatha yoga. You know, it's tough when you got the horns and you got the oh. the hoot, cloven hoof yeah. things. And your legs are not very stretchy. It's something like I don't want to put down anyone's belief, but I also don't want them to be so afraid. Like it's right. it's not But but I always oh. think of I, my my thought process goes this way. I may not think of the world through your lens. You may not think yeah. of it through mine. But whatever your belief system, whatever your spirituality, whatever your God, isn't the world big enough for there to be multiple ideas of what that is? And ultimately, no, everything if, is black and white. <laughs> Next get question. to the same place. What does it matter what you call it? Like, why, why is that such a big deal? I don't get that. Um, well, I think part of it is that we have the right answer and no one else does. I shy away from calling it the same thing as a religious experience because it's 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 really not for Reiki at least to make people feel a little bit more comfortable in yoga. Um, someone said the word atheistic, not meaning like I don't believe there's a God, meaning mm -hmm. it at least initially look at it as a separate, like a health thing. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, when someone's, when, like 
I know when I first started yoga because I was brought up in the church there was that big used to get pamphlets that were like uh if these positions were named after Hindu gods which is true but that doesn't mean that the Hindu god is going to possess your body if you do those poses. You you know you accidentally do yoga poses a lot. So if it didn't happen to you when you were a little kid doing child's pose, it's not going to So wait a second. Every time the dog bows down, he's having a Hindu god. He is. <laughs> what? Yeah. So it turns out wow. um, all dogs are Hindu. We're <laughs> um, just coming out. Do and, the dogs do know the, this? Um, I believe they do. Um, okay. And all I think right. that's... Yeah. Uh, um, I don't want to give too much away. That's my next book. But, um, yeah. I, I, I think, think that's your next blog. Yes, my next. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting. The, the last um, person that I interviewed, we talked about sacred art, and she was talking about her belief system being close to what's called animist, mm-hmm. which just means sort of everything around us in the living world and even objects have sort of um, a soul. Yes. Like, uh, have you ever seen Wings of Desire? It's a movie. It's... No, but I've seen Avatar. <laughs> Is that the same thing? No. So, so <laughs> I just love that you brought that up. So Wings of Desire is like super artsy, Wim Fenders, German filmmaker. Oh, those like, Germans in their films. Yeah. Like um, Bruno Gantz, who was who just recently passed away, was the lead angel in it. Okay. I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic movie. It's Before the Wall Came Down in Berlin. Oh. It's in German, French, and English. Nick Cave did the soundtrack for it. So it's about an angel who sees a, a trapeze artist, falls in love with her, and he comes to Earth. But the the uh, some of the angels hang out in the library, and they pick up objects, and objects have a life to them. Yes. So it's that idea that things have spirit or soul to them, inanimate objects, real objects, and that um, part of the conversation that last my last guest and I had was about our relationship to them, like yeah. how artwork is a conversation. But I would say yeah. yoga is a conversation. It's a conversation. And if you want to get into an area of science I am not qualified to speak on, but I know vague <laughs> things about, we we are all made up of energetic yes. particles. Yes. The, the wall it has more dense uh, you know, I'm going to use words that I don't know what they mean, but you know what I'm saying. Like, so protons yeah. and ions and nuclei, yeah. nucle- I don't know. Yeah. Nucleotides. It's, was, that's, that's, that's biology. I think the, this, the world of science and religion are similar in that sometimes people who are more spiritual, they're saying the same things, like call it, like it has a spirit. It's, for some reason, the two just don't like cross over like no yeah. it's like no but you guys realize we're kind of all we're all having the same conversation and it's like i know we're kind of veering off topic there but it's it's the same thing it has energy that's one right. of the reasons energy why... cannot be created or destroyed yes. that's a huge law <laughs> so why do we think that when we die that's it yes or that we go we go float up somewhere like or that even in the most simplistic, basic way, we are connected to things like plants and trees. We rely yeah. on them to survive. We have this yep. relationship with them. So, And how do we know we're sitting together having this really in- interesting conversation that we're not exchanging energy? I think we are. Um, I'd like to think we are. It's You know what helped me kind of realize that that was a truth is being in yoga class. You see from the teacher's perspective, like we kind of – talked about a little bit when we were talking about Christina um 
you do read people's energy. You mm-hmm. can tell. Yeah. And when one person or if the, me as a teacher, I, and I've felt this a lot of times, if I go in off, and by off I mean like feeling like anxious or really stressed mm-hmm. out, that really quickly gets picked up by everybody yeah. around you. Yeah. Um, or if you have a student in the class that's yes. like annoying or they've showed up and they're having a bad day. It shifts. It's like wildfire. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look at traffic, like look at stuff like that. It just, it's so many people are, are connected. That's why I kind of have to do a diet on news or even like we were, yeah. I was talking to you about like um, my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts, like Karen Kilgareth, the, the My Favorite Murder. I have to limit how much I listen to because yes. it is a dark topic and I love it. I think it's cool, yes. but you have to be really mindful of something as simple as a diet of some talking about death. Yes. Can yeah. You- I love one of my things that no matter when it's on or what or what's if I need like just TV sometimes, I watch Criminal Minds. Yes. <laughs> I have to limit it because mm. there's a lot of screaming and a lot of blood. Yes. And even the dog is like, oh, yeah. Who's, you know, why are there sirens? Yes. And so I figure if the dog doesn't know really what's going on and he's picking up on it, mm. perhaps I shouldn't be ingesting that at every yes. waking moment, mm. you know, yeah. even, even though I know it's not real, it's still, it's probably not the, the, the nicest way to treat myself t- with having some sort right. of like noise going on. Well, and the thing is, there is a part of your mind that knows that it's n- not real, but there is a part of your body that that doesn't. Like, right? You, you get I hate the word stimulated, but you get stimulated when you go see a horror film yes. and you jump, and that is an actual reaction in your body that puts you right. in a flight or flight right, mode. Right. And there is part of your mind that knows oh, that oh, that's not real, but there is that the more primal part of you that is genuinely triggered by that. Right. And it's it's thrilling, but it takes a long time to. That's your sympathetic nervous system. It takes a long time to right. go back into the parasympathetic nervous system and relax. And I, I think people don't realize that like, oh, I'm smarter. Like that it, it really does affect you. Right, right. Especially right. if you have a constant diet of that. Um, and and we're, you. we're back to the yes. and our dangle things. And they're brushing. Well, just in terms of time. Yes. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything to wrap up with? Do you have anything you would like to share? Oh, gosh. That's... We, we talked about a so, lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I am so curious to see how this turns out. Um, no, I would say, um, because I, part of my my point of being on here was to try to get someone to come to a, a yoga class. So try it. Um, it's something that you may come into initially as a practice with an intention in mind, like I want to be more flexible or I want to gain strength. And I think that's a great way to get you within the door. But it it is a lifestyle practice that you are constantly growing from. And I think if you give it a chance and you try it, um, I would say educate yourself about what you're stepping into because there's a lot of it In terms of what the class is like? what the class is like. you know, read those descriptions and do you have a preference for the type of folks that you work with? Like, do you like to work with beginners? I know you do some work with teenagers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say I don't, 
I don't really have a preference of people I work with. I, I work with so many different ages. And um, I, I'd say that I really have a special place in my heart for teenagers and especially for um, for women um, because a, a lot of yoga is allowing women to really be in that their more feminine qualities and tap into that intuition and de-stress. And it's so wonderful when I see women, especially mothers or caregivers or people who, you know, work really hard. They, I feel like they work overtime in ways that most people don't understand. Like, mm. um, and to, well, to have them realize that it's okay to be there for just themselves yeah. and to have for women, I think it's the identity to have an identity outside of not necessarily outside, of, but your own identity mm-hmm. outside of the family, outside of your upbringing. It's so powerful, and I know it's so much part of me and my personal story that I really would like other women, and men too. Guys can come too. <laughs> it's it is funny to show up in a yoga class and have there be a man there. It does change the energy it does. very much, depending like, on the guy. And like, who wants to be the poor woman that has to like bend over and be like, "My yeah. butt is in front of your face," and what if I fart? And like, do I have a hole in my pants? Yeah. Like, I was not expecting you to be there. But yeah, the studio. Not that they are not welcome. No, they're absolutely welcome. The studio where I am now, it's been different because there's a lot more guys there, mm-hmm. and they're just oh my gosh, like they're pretty mellow. They're pretty mellow. If they're going to yoga, they're pretty mellow. Yeah, yeah. but it is it it does it does palpably change the energy in the room. It does when there is a man there. Yeah, because you smell. <laughs> like it's not even necessarily like the sexual tension is more. It's just. They yes. sweat. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, and what, what else was I going to say? Uh, but the other thing I want to definitely, like, I created my page so people should feel free to ask me questions about, like, what is okay. the right. You have, like, a feedback form or would you I'm prefer they to. contact you through email? Contact me through email um, okay. because I understand there can be a lot of questions. And part of the thing that I love to do is hear people's stories and say, yeah, you know what? You'd really like this style of yoga. Even if that doesn't mean that they go to my classes, like, please come. But like, you can – it's and not where, right for And anyone. do you have, like, um, a list on your website of all the different places you yes. teach now? Okay. Yes. Um, I teach – at Mantra Yoga Studio in Danvers. That's where you'll find me most of the time. Um, I'm in Choice Fitness um, has opened a brand new yoga studio. That's more, um, that's North Andover and it's called Prana Hot Yoga. And then um, I now have a class that I'm teaching in Salisbury and I forget the name of this. <laughs> we'll but is it listed on your up. website? Yes. Okay. All right, and what's be. what is your what is your website? My website is oh oh that's not very ASMR. Do you have it pulled up there? <laughs> Dang it! I think I had it. Let's, let's, let's a better check. promoter. I turn my camera straight. Let's off. double check. Okay. It's like Rachel. Yep. Marie so Health. it's www.rachelmariehealth.info. Well, that was that's that's, that's that's to get to your blog. Yeah, but they, Health. all the information's there. They can look me up. Facebook has kind of become my like general catch-all for mm-hmm. for people. So yeah, yeah, and then you have lovely 
pictures taken by your sister of you yeah, on. Yeah, that one right there is not of me. That's a stock photo. Oh, that's a stock photo. Yeah. It doesn't look like you. There's a little, yeah, no. There's a little Easter egg at some point on my website where I actually, <laughs> I use a stock photo as a placeholder and I wrote my own little blip there. Um, another joke that made me laugh. Not necessarily. Anyway. Well, well, it's so nice that you came on. Thank you so much. This was a lovely conversation. Um, I had thought when I had first started this that I was going to um, stay away from the coach sphere yes. of my life, but I've really been really happy. Um, I've had a couple of people reach out to me, and I've reached out to them, and I've realized, seriously, everyone who's come on, there's been some sort of nice fit into segue into the last guest and the segue into the next one. And you happen to mention identity and coming <laughs> up um, in some of the next interviews I have scheduled, I'll be talking to somebody about identity. <gasps> oh, I can't wait to hear it. So thank you again, Rachel Lento. And um, this was Hi, Felicia. And I am your host, Felicia Ryan. So bye, Rachel. Bye. Bye. <laughs>